I'm glad to be here. It beats laying in a hospital room for three or four days. Appreciate so much your your prayers for us. Um, I've heard from lots of folks this past week while we were laying there in the hospital and um, telling us that that they were praying for us. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful that I had my wife with me this week because I'm a baby when it comes to being sick. And uh, I needed somebody to be there with me. And there's something else I want to say. I want to take back everything that I've heard bad about people in New York City. Especially those in the hospital. They were the kindest, gracious people that I've ever met, I think. And uh, so it's an honor to be, uh, be with you today. Let me say a word about the table in the foyer. If you uh, haven't already looked at the display back there, we have CDs available. A lot of different books that are available for your purchase and uh, different things like that. So stop by there. There's information, brochures about, about Heartland. And um, my goal in life is to make sure that every Montoro child comes to Heartland Baptist Bible College. We've had some of them already there, and there's a few of them left to go. But I'd like to have them all there because they are a blessing. I appreciate that. I appreciate your pastor so much. And... Um, so those of you who may not know, I got bit by a spider right on the kneecap of my left leg, and uh, it developed into a, a major, major problem. So don't come up to me afterwards and say, so you're going to turn into Spider-Man? I've already heard all of that. I've gotten texts from preacher friends of mine saying, so you're going to be like Spider-Man? I said, no, I'm too old to climb walls and jump off a building. So Spider-Man is not my goal. And uh, so it was quite an experience, and uh, so I'm just grateful that Brother Andrew and Miss Abigail were here to kind of take care of everything while we were laying there in the hospital. What is it, Steinbeck, that wrote the book of Mice and Men? And uh, one of the phrases that he's famous for is, the best laid plans of mice and men. I kind of like David's spin on it. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. So when we came here on Wednesday and tended to come and do the MRI and preach, and uh, who would have known when we got on the airplane on Wednesday morning that I'd be in the hospital by that afternoon and uh, not be able to be here till this morning. And I was determined. I mean, I even called Benny Hinn, you know, and laid my hand on the television for all these prosperity preachers to try to give me some healing so I could be with you this morning. I hope it was the right decision. To be here, I mean. But uh, calling Benny Hinn was not, would have not have been the right decision. Well, I'm going to turn to Psalm 38, if you will, in your Bibles today. Very fitting, very fitting, as this message today deals with uh, what happens when we sin. Psalm 38. Why don't we stand? I'll read just a couple of verses, and uh, then I'll let you be seated. Psalm 38, verse 17 and 18, where David says, For I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare my iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. Father, we ask you now to bless our time together today, and Lord, show yourself 
evident in this service. And we pray for the children's church service that's going on downstairs. You'd be with that and the Spanish work, Lord, that's being conducted. And we pray for Brother Newberger as he preaches this morning in union. And Lord, just show yourself evident, God, in everything that is done. And Lord, help us to be faithful to you. And I pray that you'd help me to have the strength that I need today to preach the message. And just fill us with your spirit, God, and help us to stand out of the way and you be in charge. And we love you and we thank you for your grace in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'll start a little bit of background uh, as to kind of what drove me to this, this message. And in March of 1990, our daughter Rochelle, who at, at the age of 13, was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. They found 30 pounds of tumor in her abdomen. They opened her up and uh, every organ in her, from her diaphragm down had cancerous tumor attached. So they, they basically told us, we don't think your daughter's going to live through this, but you can start the chemotherapy if you want to. We don't think it's going to work. They gave her a 40% chance to survive the chemotherapy. And uh, so she was in the hospital for, for about two weeks, and my wife stayed in the hospital with her. I was pastoring a church in Evanston, Wyoming, southwest part of, Oklahoma, of Oklahoma. Southwest part of Wyoming, about 80 miles from Salt Lake City. And so I had to pastor our church. I, I worked a, a secular job. I drove a school bus. So I had to come home, take care of our two sons, and take care of the church. So our daughter was in the hospital for about uh, two weeks. And then we brought her home from the hospital. And she got very, very ill. She developed a, a bowel blockage in her bowel. And... Uh, so, I was taking her to the hospital, to our pediatrician, and this is the end of March now, 1st of April, and we lived in a town that was 7,000 feet up, which meant that it snowed every month of the year. Literally on the 4th of July, which is just coming up, what, day after tomorrow, we're out at our church property shooting our fireworks, and the adults are sitting in the cars eating hot, drinking hot chocolate with the heaters running, the kids are outside shooting off fireworks, and it's snowing on them on the 4th of July. And so it's late March. So we had this real, real wet, late snow. and So I'm driving our, doc, our daughter to the pediatrician. And all the way there, we come over hill. I lose control of our van. We spin the van around. We roll the van over on its side right at the edge of a, about a 30-foot drop-off. And uh, could have rolled down the embankment. And, you know, I'm... I'm hanging by my seatbelt up here. I'm looking down at my daughter, and she's got this look on her face of fear and distress and just wondering what is happening. And uh, so somebody stops and takes us on to the, to the emergency room. They, they admit Rochelle because of the, the blockage that she has. And so I go to church, and I don't know if that was a Tuesday or Wednesday night, but I go to church on Wednesday night, and I'm standing at the windows overlooking a highway that runs by our church, and one of our men walks up to me and he shakes my hand and he hears, he's heard about the wreck and he knows about our daughter, Rochelle, being diagnosed with life-threatening cancer. 
And he shakes my hand and he looks me in the eye and he says, You know, preacher, you must really have a lot of sin in your life for all these things to be happening to you. And my response was not one of, of repentance and falling on my face and getting right with the Lord. My first response was I wanted to take my fist and drive this man's nose right out the backside of his head. I mean, that was my first thought. How dare he? My daughter is dying of cancer. I've just wrecked our van. And this man has the audacity to walk up to me and say, Preacher, this is all your fault. Well, there are a couple of lessons that I learned through that event. Number one, I learned this. That sickness is not always the result of some deep, dark sin in our life. Now, sickness is a result of sin. You remember this? God told Adam, the day you eat of that fruit, you will what? You will die. Now, they didn't die right that day, but they eventually their bodies wore out and they died. I found this out to be true, that disease is just simply the, a part of life that's, that's something that we experience in our life. It's, it's really what God has, because of us being feeble, men and women and, and, and disease and the things that take place, death is just a natural result of life that you and I live on this earth. But I also learned this. God has allowed sometimes some people to come our way, kind of like Job's three friends. You remember Job's three friends? Job has lost everything in his life. He's sitting in a pile of ashes at the end of chapter number 2 of the book of Job, scraping boils with a broken piece of pottery, and his three friends show up, Eliphaz, Zophar, and Bildad, and they sit across from him for seven days and just sit there and weep with him and don't say a word. And finally at the end of the seven days, they look at him and say, Job, we know what your problem is. You've got sin." You confess your sin before God and things will change in your life. So those are kind of a a couple of different lessons that I learned through all of that. But I also know this. Sometimes, because of our sin, God may deal with us in a very harsh manner. Psalm 38 is David's testimony of how God is dealing with him regarding his sin. David has committed adultery. He's got another man's wife pregnant. He's literally had her husband carry his own death warrant back into battle so that he died to try to cover his sin. David knows in Psalm 38 that he's experiencing the judgment of God because of his sin. And he gives us some very wonderful and very practical insight into what to do about our sin. What happens when we sin? The first thing that David shares with us here in the 38th Psalm is he he tells us what God does when we sin. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 38. He says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath. Neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrow stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. David tells us in these verses 
that number one, God can use His Word to rebuke us of our sin. God uses the preaching of the Word of God. And I appreciate the fact that the men sang a couple of songs today about the importance of preaching the Word. And I appreciate, appreciated Ben's testimony about what Heartland is about. It's about training people for the ministry. And I appreciate what your pastor said about that and how that we're, we're, we're in, the, we're in the, the business, if that's the right word to use, to train young people to serve God in the ministry. And preaching is a very big part of what we do there at Hartling. Training young men, not young ladies. Now, probably some of the young ladies could probably preach better than most of the men could. But that's not what we're about. We're about training young men to preach the Word. And so sometimes God can use His Word to rebuke us. Have you ever felt like this? Sometimes you come to church and the pastor gets up there and he preaches and he's, talking about sin, and, he, and and it's almost as if you're thinking in your mind, he's been following me around this week. You ever felt like that? I mean, I have. I've been times when I've, I'm thinking, well, he must be, number one, he's probably reading my emails, or he's listening on my phone calls, or he's been following me around all week long. And that's because God is very, very capable of rebuking us with his word. The second thing I think that David learned is if we don't respond to the preaching of the Word of God and the rebuke that God will use in His Word, that God can, at times in our life, get up close and personal. And look what he says in verse 2. He says, For thine arrow stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. So in other words, I think that David is saying to us this. If you're not going to respond to the preaching of the Word of God, if you're not going to respond to God's challenge from His Word to, to, to get you to be in the place where you're right with Him. Know this, know this, whom the Lord loveth. He what? He chasteneth. There may be a time in my, in, in my life and in your life where God might have to just get up close and personal. He might just, can I use the term, He might just have to whip us a little bit if we don't respond to the preaching of the Word of God. I was preaching one time and pastoring a church in Abilene, Texas for seven years. And I was preaching about gossip. And I, I was just talking about people that gossip and, you know, and the dangers and the, the sin of gossip. And I noticed one of the older ladies in our church that came forward to the altar that, that morning in the invitation. And I don't recall ever seeing her do that. And so I'm standing out in the foyer shaking hands with people and she walks by me and she shakes my hand and looks at me and says, Pastor, I want to know who told you. I said, excuse me? I want to know who told you that I've been talking about you. And I said, well, the Spirit of God revealed it to me in a dream last night. No, I, I, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But because the Word of God has its way of dealing with our sin, sometimes we can respond and get right. And if we don't, David says, Thy hand presseth me sore. David understood. Because David was going through some physical affliction as a result of his sin. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. So David, number one, tells us what God does when we sin. Number two, he tells us what sin does when we sin. 
In verses 3 through 10, and I'm not going to go through all the verses today, but David tells us what sin does when we sin. First of all, he talks to us about what sin takes away. Sin, number one, takes away our health. Look what he says in verse 3. There is no soundness in my flesh. Drop down to verse 5. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. Verse 7. My loins are filled with a loathsome disease. Apparently, according to what scholars would tell us, and according to David's own words here, he was suffering as a result of some physical result of his sin. And David understood that. David knew that he's going through some physical difficulties in his life as a result of his sin. And again, I want to go back to my daughter, Rochelle, 13 years old, lying in a hospital room, dying of cancer, we thinking at that moment, thinking that she's dying of cancer. And, and, I, and, I, and I, again, I, as I go back, and this has been 30, over 30 years ago now, almost, 30, well, this hadn't been quite 30, been about 27 years ago, something along that line. I don't teach math at Heartland, so 20-something years ago, and I reflect back on it from time to time as I think about us going through those, those dark days. And I, I, I'm just, as a dad, I'm looking at my daughter lying in a hospital bed with tubes coming out of her. And they told us that she's not going to live through this. You can take her home and start the chemo if you want, but she won't, she won't survive this. And I'm lying there and I'm sitting there looking at our daughter, 13 years old, thinking, surely, surely, God, this is not a punishment. On Rochelle, because of some sin that she's committed. But sometimes God will allow us to go through those things physically as a result of our sin. David also says in verse 3 that sin takes away our rest. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. David knew what it was like to go to bed at night. And not be able to sleep because of the conviction of God in his life. David understood that. David knew that he is suffering a lack of rest and contentment in his life because of his sin. David understood those things. David understood that sin is a burden in our life. Look at what he says in verse 4. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head as a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. David David was feeling the burden of his sin on his life. It was crushing him. Literally, in in his life, spiritually, he's being crushed by his sin. Verse 5, he tells us that sin takes away our senses. Look at verse 5. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. The word foolishness would there imply a silliness or a perverseness. I mean, who would have thought, think with me now for a minute, who would have ever thought that a man that is called a man after God's own heart twice in God's word would have done the things that he did? My thought is this. Any one of us in this room today is capable of doing the same thing that David did. Not any of us is exempt from any other sin that anyone else in the world can commit. 
I don't care if you are a born-again believer or not. You and I are just as capable of doing anything that any lost person could ever do. David understood this. He calls it his foolishness. Verse 6, he says, sin takes away our peace and our joy. He says, I'm troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. Sin takes away our life. Verse number 7, he says, For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I have a real life illustration of that this week. It started out with a little bite on my kneecap on Monday evening. We had been, we'd spent a few days with my with our grandsons. We had a, what we called a, a papa camp where we took them fishing and hiking and different things. And so Monday night when we got home, I noticed this little black spot on my knee and think, well, that looks like a bite. The next morning when I got up, there was a red circle around that black spot on my, my knee. And so we took our grandsons home and went to a clinic there in Oklahoma City just to try to be a little bit proactive because I knew I was getting on an airplane the next morning to fly up here. And so we went to this clinic and they, they said, well, it looks like a bite and we're going to give you an antibiotic and then uh, you need to come back in a couple of days and we'll check it out. And I said... I can't come back in a couple of days. We're going to be flying out tomorrow to go to New York City. I'm preaching a meeting for, for a man up there. i got to be here. I can't do that. i gotta, I got I to gotta leave. And so he said, well, if you get out and, and uh, you know, if it starts spreading and gets worse, you're going to have to go into the, to a clinic there. And so Wednesday we got on the airplane. It looked pretty bad Wednesday morning. We got here, flew in, but the Montoro came to the airport and, Picked us up, which is quite a challenge in New York City since they're doing all that construction. And brought us over here. And we went over to this little sushi place over here. JJ's, is that what they call it? And ate. And, and then by the time I went and laid down, I'm, I mean, it's spreading on my leg. And I'm thinking, I think I probably ought to go to the doctor. So I went over here to the Norwell Clinic. They looked at it and said, you got to go to the emergency room because you need antibiotics and an IV. I'm thinking, oh, great. So Brother Montoro took us to the uh, Sinai Hospital here in Astoria. I walked in and took us to the emergency room. I spent all night, all night Wednesday night in the emergency room. That was quite an experience. There were men in there that were going crazy and yelling and cussing and screaming. Had a woman in the room in the, on the other side of the curtain next to me. She had Alzheimer's. And I know everything there is to know about this woman's life because she told it at least 15 times all night long on Thursday. So they got us in a room. And now that little black spot had spread all the way up my thigh and down my calf and on my shin. So I had this thought. David standing looking that night and he sees Bathsheba bathing herself. That one little look is all it took for his whole life to be destroyed. It started out as just a little spot on my kneecap. By the time it's all over with, it was a very dangerous situation. My body was filled with the toxins of the venom of this spider bite. Sin can start real little, can it? But if we leave it, if we don't take care of it, if we don't deal with it, 
It can spread. And it can destroy our lives. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what God is dealing with in your life. Maybe you've got sin that you need to get right. And David also tells us here in this chapter what we need to do about our sin. Aren't you glad that the Bible gives us hope? Aren't you glad that we that God just doesn't say you're hey, listen, you're filled with rotten sin, you're a bunch of rotten sinners. And then if he just closed the book and says, There's nothing else I can do for you, aren't you glad he gives us hope? And David's hope is this. I read the verses. Look drop drop down to verse sixteen and seventeen. Verse seventeen he says, For I am ready to halt And my sorrow is continually before me. Here's the hope. For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. Now, if you're a Bible reader, you know this. David should have died for his sin that he committed. Adultery. Murder. They should have taken him out and stoned him to death. Now, it's not that God made an exception for David. I I don't want you to think that. You know, God just made an exception. No, 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 no. Listen to me. David spent the rest of his life battling the consequences of his sin. Talk about a dysfunctional family. David had a dysfunctional family. One of his own sons killed another of his sons. And the son that that the, the one son killed committed adultery, fornication with his Stepsister. I mean, we're talking about a family that was messed up. No, no, listen. The reason why David was not stoned to death because of his sin is because David understood, i got to get right with the Lord. So God gives us hope today, and the hope is this. If there's sin in your life, repent. Not just be sorry for your sin. There are a lot of people in the world... You, you can watch the news and see some man that's, that's going to be executed for murder that he committed. And on the night of his, of his execution, he will say, I'm sorry for everything that I've done. Now, whether or not that's biblical repentance or not, no one will know. But all I'm saying is this. There are a lot of people in the world that are sorry for their sin, but they're sorry they got caught. That's it. They're sorry they got caught. David was broken hearted because he had, he realized what he had done was a sin against God. So, let's deal with our sin. Now, I need to tell you the rest of the story about our daughter, Rochelle. In fact, she was here Memorial Day. She's soon be 41 years old. She's 13 when she was diagnosed. And uh, we've had... All right, I, I just, just, just a little bit of, real quickly. My wife, our son Jason, and our daughter Rochelle, all three had cancer in a five-year time frame. So those are some very dark days. We went through some times when it got to be so bad around our house that one day my youngest son, Josh, came to me and he said, Dad, am I, am I going to get sin or get cancer too? That's how bad it was. Because his, so his mother, his brother, older brother, and older sister, all three, go through cancer. Well, Rochelle and Jason, and my wife, obviously, she's here today, survived the cancer. 
Now, we don't know why we went through that, those days. We don't know why. But I did have to examine my life. Because, listen, I didn't want my, my wife or my son or my daughter to have cancer of, because of some sin that I had committed. I wanted to make sure. And we need to make sure, don't we, in our life. Is God dealing with a sin in your life? Whatever it might be. Now, it may not be something as wicked as what David did, adultery or murder, but it might be just simply this. Maybe there's somebody on this side of the building that's having a hardship with somebody on this side of the building. I didn't even talk about that. That's another thing. Uh, Sin affects churches. Sin affects our lives, doesn't it? I mean, it can cause a person on this side of the building to be angry and bitter toward this Someone on this side of the building. Is that a possibility? Of course it is. We need to know that. It may be as simple as this. You haven't read your Bible in a long time. Does God think that we ought to be in the book? I was texting with a preacher friend of mine today, and I wanted to let him know, you know, and showed him a picture of the, my leg. You know, he's a friend of mine, dear friend of mine. I said, don't put it on Facebook. He said, well, I don't do Facebook. My face is too big for Facebook. And I don't, I don't know how to do Snapchat. Or I don't know how to tweet. So I said, you know what I think the problem is? A lot of people in the world, they need to get their face out of the computer on Facebook and get their face in this book right here. That probably change a lot of people's lives, don't you think? I'm not against social media. Don't say, oh, you just want them old geezers. You don't like the newfangled stuff. Hey, listen to A hammer's a great tool unless you're hitting somebody over the head with it. I'm not against those type of things. I'm just saying this. We're pretty busy in doing a lot of things to get in our Facebook account and updating our Facebook account, when in reality we maybe we ought to just be getting our face in this book. What do you think? Is that a sin? Of course it is. How about your prayer life? How about your faithfulness to church? Now you're here today. Thank God for that. But you have services tonight, Brother Montoro? You have services Thursday night, don't you? I missed all of those. I didn't make it Thursday night. Well, I'm saying is this. It doesn't have to be adultery or murder or lying. It could be as simple as this. It's been a long time that you as a believer have opened up God's Word and letting God sp- let God speak to you from his word. So if he's dealing with your sin, don't let it start as a little spot and infect your whole life. It can. Believe me, it can. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the privilege that we have to be here this morning. We don't want to take for granted, Lord, the strength that you give us every day. I pray my, in my prayer time every morning, one of the first things I do is thank you for the physical strength that we have to get up in the morning. And that was brought to a reality to me, to me personally this week, how, th- how quickly our lives can change. In just a moment, And Lord, it also brought the reality to me today how sin spreads in our life. 
starts, starts out as a little spot. And next thing we know, our whole lives can be damaged by that one little sin in our life. So I pray that you'd speak to hearts. Lord, help those that are here today that need to come and maybe get some things right with maybe another Christian, but primarily to get things right with you. And then, Lord, deal with their sin. And I thank you for your time. that You've had us to be able to be in the Word this morning and guide and direct through our day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask the pastor to come and he'll take the invitation as he sees fit. If God's spoken to your heart today, can I challenge you and encourage you to come and let God deal with you this morning.